listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Hello! This is Animal Party. You must have your party clothes on, and I bet your dog and cat are dressed up for Halloween. Well, actually, I kind of hope not. And we're going to talk about that a little later in the show. We're going to talk about good costumes, bad costumes, why you should, why you shouldn't, which pets belong in the house and locked up for Halloween, and which pets maybe should be going trick-or-treating or staying at the door, but with some safety precautions that I'm going to tell you about. I think I'm also going to talk about ghosts, pet ghosts. Maybe werewolves, maybe familiars. You see, today, I don't have a guest. My guest broke her tooth, called me just before showtime, and I thought, you know what? Halloween's coming. Let's talk about animals and Halloween and all the different things that go with that. Everything from the haunted and the spooky to just what you can do to make an easy costume that won't break the bank. And maybe, maybe... You're wrong in thinking your dog wants to wear a costume. Maybe there's a better way to go for Halloween this year. So we'll talk about that too. But I also want to give you some news. I saw the weirdest thing this morning on the morning news. Just as I was getting the kids ready for school and pouring my coffee, I I, I almost didn't think I was seeing right. It's the kind of thing you see on April Fool's Day. But basically they were in Ohio and they were showing this news crew and police cruisers and All kinds of guys with guns is what I was seeing. I don't know. They didn't look like they were uniformed officers. So maybe they were rangers. I'm not really sure who these guys, maybe there was the army. There were maybe 40 or 50 men I saw with guns as I was watching the anchor talk about the story. And what happened was, yeah, yeah, there was a lot of people with guns there. What happened was they were going looking for lions, tigers, and bears, Yeah, this morning, last night, late last night, in the middle of the night, in a lovely place, and I hope I get this right, Muskegon, Ohio, was where this happened. And uh, basically what happened was someone who was a private collector probably went a little nuts because I think he killed himself. But before he killed himself, according to the coverage this morning, and again, it's all news breaking, so some of this might change as the facts come out. But before he killed himself, he let loose all his animals, these big giant, dangerous carnivores, lions, tigers, and bears. Oh, my. (laughs) Okay, I couldn't resist it. If you don't know what that is, you're too young. I'm doing the Wizard of Oz. Yes, because there's no place like home, except when home is covered with lions and tigers and bears. So they were all loose. One one policeman uh, reported that he was sitting in his cruiser talking on the radio when a bear tried to maul his head and take his head off. That one was shot. Uh, there are lions and tigers loose. They didn't know how to tranquilize them in the middle of the night. Were worried about doing so and injuring the animals. There were all these issues. At about three in the morning, da 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 da, Jack Hanna flew out there, which I think is really interesting. Oh boy. And I'd love to have him on the show. If anybody's listening who knows him, tell him I want to bring him on my show. But there he was, dealing with a very distressing and sad situation because lots of animals dead and missing and in trouble and no doubt scared and in the wrong habitat and frightened. The bears will probably do okay, but the rest are in trouble. And he's there to help, and they, they are tranquilizing with vets and dealing with it more humanely this morning in the light of day now that they've been able to marshal the proper forces. But last night, they were shooting these animals. 
And it's just so sad. They're going to be taken to zoos or released where possible. And, um, you know, they're going to try and come up with the most humane solutions now. But we had some situations here in Canada last year where a lion, maybe it's two years ago now, a lion that was kept as a pet mauled the wife of the guy who owned it. And most people believe, especially those close to the lion and the family, that it was not trying to hurt her, that it was a very playful lion, apparently, and, and it was all by accident. But at any rate, when he wasn't there and she stood too close to the cage, it actually killed her in front of the children. A horrible situation. And there have been some other situations like that in Canada where, where animals, giant carnivores or dangerous snakes, this has been both, get loose and the public's in danger. And then you really do have to think about it. I mean, yes, the value of a tiger. Some people would think it's more valuable than a human life given their endangered status and difficult comeback and recent gains, but still loss of habitat and all the problems with that. But at the same time, when your job is to protect the people and there's kids or a school or neighborhoods of sleeping people and there's some kind of predator loose, you really have to weigh these things. And when the predator, like that one bear, actually actively goes out and attacks an officer inside a car, okay, I think safely that's an exceptional situation that has to be dealt with perhaps not as humanely as the others in the, in the heat of the night when that's happening. But it's just so scary. And, you know, here we ended up passing a lot of legislation to stop this. And people were really upset about it. I had some people on this show and interviewed that were really angry because their, what they viewed innocuous pets were now outlawed and they were going to have problems. And some of them didn't keep big predators. In fact, it was the reptile guy who was most distressed about this. But at some level, I welcome regulation and standards. And I think even though we all like a lot of freedom, sometimes the most cruel situations for these animals are not in the zoos and the conservation programs where we do. ZooCheck does find cruelty in those places. But the thing is, ZooCheck has them on their list. For organizations that, like the equivalent for animals of Amnesty International, the equivalent of those things that check on animals and animal welfare worldwide, they know where the zoos are. They know where the conservation, anything open to the public or funded by the public is on their list. And they're there and they're making sure to the best of their abilities that they police it and report it and rat them out. And then the zoos and the, and the other conservation programs, these places, and it's, it's kind of strange because zoos have taken over some of those attempts at conservation. So there's a hybrid line there. But these places... Are, uh, are at least scrutinized. At least they're on the map, right? And there's the most amazing people who work in them. And the people really, truly love the animals. But like with any businesses, corners can be cut and the animals are really expensive to take care of. So there has to be checks and balances. And that's the problem with privately owning a lion or a tiger or a bear. Even if you are well-meaning and take good care of them most of your life, what if you have a mental breakdown, as this person must have had? Or what if you're robbed or broken into? Or what if, what if, what if? There's so many things that make it not a good idea to have something dangerous and exotic kept in captivity. Not to mention the abuse cases. I once met a lion, a mountain lion, who was completely blind at the age of two because she'd been fed cat food her entire life and not meat. You know, and that was just a pet where they didn't find out what the animal truly needed. Her name was Tasha, and this operation to fix her eyes was extremely expensive, and the society that was taking care of her was trying to save the money and fundraise for it. And probably by now, she's, well, she's probably still alive. 
And you can probably see, but back then she was a blind two-year-old cat who'd never really been able to see since she'd been slowly going blind from the moment they had her feeding her the wrong food. And that's the kind of thing that happens with people privately taking care of animals where they just don't know. You know, even with your pets, though, you decide on a whim you're going to get a hamster or a guinea pig or a special kind of fish or a bunny or a dwarf bunny or maybe you're going to get an exotic cat or a dog, even just a regular dog or cat. You do need to research what they need. You know, I've seen people make such simple mistakes, like not buy a salt brick for pet pygmy goats that they bought their children. And the animals get really ill and can even die just from that simple $6 purchase at the local feed store that they just didn't know. They just didn't know. You know, and there's lots of things like that with animals. So you really have to ask. Ask where you're buying them. Ask where you're buying supplies. Look it up on the internet. Make sure you research everything. Do they need their feet trimmed? Do they need their ears cleaned? Do they need their nails clipped? How often do they need to see a vet? Do they need vaccines? Look at it all because every animal is a little bit different and they all need something. And if you're going to take care of them, you've got to take care of them. They're not in the wild anymore taking care of themselves. They need you. So I wanted to talk about that because it just broke out the big story. And um, there was another story I want to share with you, but I think we're going to go to a little commercial break and come back, and I'll just tease you a little bit. Oh, boy, it's an airplane story. People go on a trip, and they send their cat, and, well, you sure wouldn't want to be these people or this cat. Stay tuned, and I'll tell you all about it at the Animal Party on Pet Life Radio. Stick around. At Petco, we really love pets. There isn't anything we won't do to make sure they're getting the best products and the best care. So when you ask us a question like, So how do you feel about cat condos? We can say from experience, Feels like home. For her. Enter the code PARTY10, P-A-R-T-Y, the number 10, and get 10% off any order. No minimum at Petco.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. My name is Brent Atwater, and I'm the Animal Reincarnation Authority. Join me every week on Alive Again, and let me look at your pet's energy to determine if they're going to reincarnate. I'll be able to tell you when they're going to come back and what they look like. So send me your pet's photo and email me your question at brent at petliferadio.com. I'm looking forward to answering your questions on Alive Again. Every week only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're 
inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. Welcome back to Animal Party Pet Life Radio with Deb Wolf. I'm here talking to you about this terrible, terrible flight. So this is an article I'm paraphrasing here. It's natural to get annoyed when an airline misplaces your luggage. But when they lose your cat, that's just taking it too far. And that's what happened to Karen Pasco last Thursday. From JFK Airport to San Francisco, she was going for a new job and was taking her two adopted cats, Jack and Barry. So, you know, there were two of them. They couldn't fly under the seat. So she sent them in separate kennels as cargo. And she checked them in. She went for lunch, grabbed a quick snack, and uh, got a call from American Airlines saying Jack was no longer in his kennel. He was missing. (gasps) Oh, my gosh, in the airport. Oh, no. Oh, I once got a call from one of my customers saying, what should we do? What should we do? We're at LAX, and Keisha's running wild on the tarmac. Do you have any tips for us? Oh, Keisha the Coyote Cross running wild on the LAX tarmac. They did catch her. I told them to get it as quiet as possible and to lie down on your back in an area where she could see you, just the owner. And that's what they did, and Keisha came. I don't know what you'd do with a cat loose in an airport, though. All those roof tiles, you know, the little things in the roof that they can sneak up in? Every vet clinic has a story about that, a cat loose in the roof tiles for a week or two. Well, anyway, here we go. <laughs> After two days of no updates, Pasco's sister decided to enlist the help of social media. So they did this Jack the Cat is Lost in AA Baggage at JFK Facebook page. And thousands of pet lovers demanded that the airlines do something. So, oh my gosh, there's still no sign of Jack, but the airline is definitely paying more attention. I thought this was going to be a happy ending story. Our JFK employees are using a variety of methods to try to find Jack, including setting cans of cat food by his kennel. Additionally, we are working with the Mayor's Alliance. We are setting humane traps. We offer sincere regrets. Oh, boy. Well, you know what? I think we should all look for him on Facebook. I think so. (laughs) And uh, if you want to pressure American Airlines, if you think they should do more to try and catch the cat, let them know. Definitely. So, Facebook. I'm on Facebook all the time. I was just there today, and I tried to print off something to read to you that I got sent. Okay, here it is. So if you want to find me on Facebook, it's Deborah Wolf, Pet Expert on Facebook. And today someone found me, and they said, question, re-doodle dog grooming. Took my boy to groomer locally for first grooming to get him used to the process. Took him back for second grooming four weeks later and ended up with a traumatized dog. Had to take him to vet for razor burns, cuts, etc., Now he is terrified of even a brush on his coat. What do you suggest? Okay, so I wrote back to her a little brief thing for Facebook. Gosh, Elizabeth, I'm so sorry. What an unnecessary trauma to now have to deprogram and unlearn. Shame. But it does happen, and I'm not sure I've ever had a standard poodle make it through his entire life without one incident like this. And I go on. I explain more about how sometimes you take your standard poodle in, and you're not as detailed, or the groomer you think is going to groom him isn't there, and someone else does, and they strip his ears bald which used to be done for all standard poodles all the time, but isn't done anymore. They found out that doing that actually caused more ear infections than a much, much lighter plucking and cleaning, the kind of thing where you just trim the long hairs and you swab out the ears, and if there's no infection, you don't go any farther. Now, I have my eldest standard poodle right now is nine, and there have been times when his ears were plucked raw like that, where they plucked every hair out because somehow a mistake was made. But most of the time, he did not get that done. I have never done that to him. I have clipped them and cleaned them carefully and done the new style of grooming with him. And he's never had an ear infection, never in his life. In fact, once recently, I thought he did. 
and uh, took him to the vet for something else. And they confirmed, no, he's just, <laughs> I was spoiling him. And they said, no, it's just something in his diet. And I had to slap myself on the wrist because I'd been giving him lots of extras because I'd felt bad for him because he was not able to be the stud. I've retired him as our stud dog. And one of his wives was in heat. And he wasn't able to go on his little dates with her because he's retired and he was missing it. And I was feeling bad, so I was overcompensating with food. Food that was healthy for him, but a little excessive. And so I stopped. Now, standard poodles, they don't really get fat. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen one who was fat. I really don't think so. There was one white one years ago at Trout Lake that was little on the plump side, but, but she was about 13. And even she was pretty fit for a 13-year-old dog. Most of my standard poodles, all of my standard poodles are very, very thin. They have a very sculpted body. In fact, I almost worry they're not eating enough. It's the other way. Whereas my golden, so oh, good Lord, if it was food to anything, anytime, anywhere, it's food to them. And they will just drop and find it like a little tiny detection machine. No, no, every single crumb and scrap they can find. They will lick surfaces to take off stains you don't even see when they're outside somewhere. They will find chewing gum and garbage. And yeah, poodles aren't like that. So it's a little bit different. But um, this lady, what she's going to need to do is have brushes around and use the back side of the brush, not even the bristly side, to pet and stroke the dog and just get him used to the idea that when she has brushes, it's fine. And over time, it's not going to take very long. If she does it a few times a day, every day, just when she's stroking and pets him with the brush and then gradually gets him used to the idea. Not on the sore spots, not on the painful spots, just where it'll feel good. And she'll get him to think in no time, within two, three days, that he likes being brushed by her. And then she's going to do all the things the groomer did, turn on a clipper, turn all these different things in very minor way, very removed way, like go turn on the clipper in another room, then turn it off. The dog learns, hey, I heard that sound and nothing bad happened. Then a couple of days later, turn it on in the same room, you know, and keep doing it a few times a day, turn it on in the other room, turn it on in the other room, turn it off, turn it on. In the other. And then when the dog's not even reacting, doesn't even care, bring it into the same room, turn it on, turn it off, turn it on, turn it off till he doesn't care. Find something that sounds similar if you don't have a pet clipper. But what you're going to do is get him used to the fact that, you know what, it was only at that place that that happened. It wasn't here. It wasn't with mom. It wasn't the razor, the scissors. The No, all that stuff's fine. I had that before and I'll have it again and it's fine. It was that place. And so then you're going to have to take him to a groomer, a good groomer, a kind groomer. Research carefully. Facebook's a great place. If you go on one of the Golden Doodle Rules groups or Golden Doodle Rocks or whatever they're called, you can find Golden Doodle owners in your area who have a good groomer that they love. If you're in my area, I'll tell you I love Maureen at Success Dog Grooming. She's the best. She's gentle but firm, totally experienced, been doing this for years. Tell her what you want. She'll even let you stay if your dog's been traumatized like this. And um, the first time, I don't even think you want to get her groomed. You just want to bring him in for a quick visit, maybe have a treat if he'll eat it. He probably won't eat it because dogs don't take treats when they're stressed. But try, you know, bring him in, have a cuddle, let him meet her, and take him out again. Maybe go for coffee and come back. Maybe then go do shopping and come back. Make sure she's okay with this so you're going to drop in three or four times that day to deprogram the dog. And then, I mean, I'm sure she'll appreciate it because if you... If you even just bring her a coffee or <laughs> a present of some kind, it'll make her day. And then it makes it easier when she does get your dog as a customer. She wants it to go smooth too. But what you're going to do is little bits. Then Bookham could just have his feet trimmed or his face trimmed, whatever area you think is going to be the easiest. And you go in and they're firmly harnessed and you help hold them and it just gets done quickly, easily, happy, happy, move on. 
And it is going to take a while to get over this, unfortunately. It's so unfortunate they did this to him. But like I said, it's rare to have a dog that gets regular grooming where this doesn't happen at least once. Razor burns. The dog moves. Skin's folded. It can easily happen if they're not experienced with the breed or experienced with their clippers or even just if the dog's a little fidgety. You know, I have one dog, Noodle, who's constantly trying to lick you. It's like he's trying to groom you while you groom him. It makes it hard to groom him, you know? So he doesn't get as good a clip as my other dogs. Now, when I take him to Maureen, I've never had him have razor burns, ever. And I've, I've never had any of these other things you're talking about. But, you know, his hair isn't as beautiful as his dad, who stands perfectly still. So, <laughs> you know, now with age, Noodle will improve. He'll get the idea. And that's the thing. You just want to make it really positive. When you have a dog who's afraid of something, you want to give him that exposure to that thing he's afraid of. But just a little bit, not, not all over him, just a little bit, maybe at a distance. If he's afraid of trains, you don't go to the train station. You go for a walk kind of near it, and he'll walk him, and you make him focus on something else. And over time, you'll be able to get closer and closer, and then walk right by it, and he won't even care. And that's what you're doing. You're just getting rid of the fear. Now, lots of dogs are going to have fears for Halloween because... There's lots of noise, there's lots of traffic, squealing tires, people dressed up, smelling strange with the face makeup and the smell of the pumpkins and the, and the lit candles, all kinds of odd smells. Plus, that golden retriever I was talking about is always looking for garbage. Whoa, this is a scavenger hunt for her. The fact that kids are around with chocolates and wrappers and candies and remnants of that and pieces of that and things that fall out of their trick-or-treat bag and all that sort of stuff is everywhere. And you just can't let your dog loose. Even if your dog is a come sit, stay healed, wonderful dog, you don't want him getting into that. Now, you might say, oh, but my dog would never pick up anything. I've trained him not to take treats. Well, that's great. What about the glass? Sometimes, and I shouldn't peg only teenagers, but it seems to be teenagers at Halloween. And even as a teenager, I never understood this. But sometimes people break bottles. I don't know why they do that. It only hurts the children and the pets. Nobody else gets hurt by broken glass. It's just so stupid. But there'll be lots of broken glass. Your dog won't know it's there, and he'll step right on it. Do you really want that in the middle of your trick-or-treat night? When your kids want to keep going and your dog's bleeding and has to go home, what are you going to do? Are you going to bum everybody out? Are you going to make the dog walk when he's injured? I mean, what are you going to do? It's not a good plan. So if you must take your dog, you really want to take your dog, have at least two people. One's assigned for the kids and one's assigned for the dog. And the dog is on leash the entire time. Not a flexi leash that lets him get into trouble and step on something dangerous. No, a regular short leash so he's with you. If you want to dress him up, some dogs like to be dressed up. If you've done it right when he was a puppy and you made sure he was told how beautiful he was and given cookies and praise and not laughed at or made fun of, <laughs> then he probably does like being dressed up, likes the attention and enjoys it, gets it that it's something funny for the people. But you got to make sure the costume doesn't hurt. So nothing that can pull off like buttons or buckles or straps or little things that could end up in his mouth and in his stomach. Same for cats. Cats are really bad for this. Anything twirly or frilly or tinsel-like or shredded fabric-like, this is the kind of thing that they want to eat. Ribbons, they want to eat it. So if you're dressing up the cat, make sure there's nothing loose dangling because it'll be in its stomach. And that can be $1,000, $1,500. If you're lucky and you catch it in time, it can also kill your animal. 
even a big golden retriever could die from one little ribbon in its stomach blocking its intestines. So you really got to watch this stuff. And the same with your kids' costumes. If they're running all around and bits of it is coming off and everything, really watch that your pets aren't getting into it. Okay, so if your dog loves all people, all dogs, is friendly with everybody, couldn't care less about loud noises like fireworks, doesn't try to eat everything it finds, then you might have a dog who wants to go trick-or-treating. And then I say, take him along, dress him up, have a good time. Make sure the costume isn't in his face and isn't dragging where he walks. And again, one adult for the dog, one adult for the kids. Bring a bag to poop scoop. Make sure he's well-fed and well-watered before you go. You might even need water along the way if your kids are big and you're going to make some, some serious <laughs> trick-or-treats. But um, with the cat. Now, most cats don't want to have anything to do with this. So if you have a dog who's a little scared of people or protects the house or just isn't up to this, has fears of any of those things, or is a total garbage gut and will do anything to get food then you need to create a safe room where you lock the dog away, you lock the cat away, you put on some music or a TV in there, you close the blinds, you try and minimize Halloween outside, make it a fun place, go there and visit your cat, make sure it's not, you know, it's not a place that's awful, maybe new dog toys, new cat toys, something fun in there, they're bedding their stuff. You know, if there's something like PlayStation or Wii that gets a lot of action from the kids and your animals love the kids, stick it in there. Because if you've got a black cat, you have to put him away now. You can't wait. And even if he's an outdoor cat, he needs his own room right now. Because if he's loose in the house, he might get out. If he gets out, he is the number one target for horrible pranks this time of year. And I'm not kidding you. It's terrible. So if you have a black cat that goes out at all, especially a friendly one, you need to keep it in. So it needs a special room. Right now, just do it. Now, when I talk about dogs and running around and trying to get at the treats... The two things I'm most worried about are xylitol, which is an artificial sweetener that's in a lot of candies, chemical, and chocolate. These two things are like poison to dogs, and they're everywhere at Halloween. So if your dog's staying behind with you giving out the candy, you should not be giving out those things. You got to be careful what you're giving out. Make sure you're not going to feed your dog the stuff you're giving out, but just in case. You don't want bins and boxes of chocolates and all the things that are most toxic to him. You also want to tie him up. Even if he's totally friendly and he doesn't go anywhere and maybe he's part of the little routine you're planning on the front driveway where he greets people, he needs to be tied to something. Okay? So it can be a longer leash, it can be a shorter leash, but he needs to be tied to something. Because when everybody gets distracted and maybe a kid gets scared and runs or something goes on, a man comes up to pick up his kid and the kid is crying or you just don't know what's going to happen on Halloween. You don't want your dog bolting. You don't want your dog running and making a decision and ending up in traffic. So tie the dog. There's so much unpredictability this time of year. It's a pretty scary time for animals. So you got to think of them. Okay, so we're going to go to another commercial and then we're going to come back to the party. And I'm going to take you on to the spooky side of Halloween when we come back. Don't leave this party before it's over because the best is yet to come. Only losers leave the party early anyway. Party on. Back in a few. 
Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash party, P-A-R-T-Y, to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed or email us at PetLifeRadio.com. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, Dusty Rainbolt, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. You're, you're, you're inside the VIP room. With the hottest party in town. Back to the party. Let's go. Hello. We're back at Animal Party. And we're about to go on the spooky side of the animal world. But before we do that, I just want to remind you that right now on YouTube, there's the Deborah Wolf channel. I set it up a week ago. It's brand new, and right now it's free. It's a sneak peek at 10 of my favorite clips from my DVD. Come and sit and heal and stuff that's really fun. Kid safety's in there. So if you've got kids, even if you don't have a dog, if you've got kids, you want to see this. If you've got a dog and you don't have kids, you want to see this because it helps you deal with what happens when kids come over. What happens when we meet kids at the park? How do I deal with kids and my dog? So it's really important, even for grandparents. This is kids and dogs. It's good, good safety. And I want you all to send it to as many people as you can because the come, the heal, the other sections in there, there's games and tricks too. There's bloopers of dogs being bad. I want, I want you to send it around because the more hits I get, the better. Plus, the more people who see it, the more dogs get trained and the less dogs end up at the pound. If you know someone who does animal rescue, send it to them. Send them my YouTube channel because they get 10 clips for free that will help them every day with what they do. So yeah, send it around, send it around, hit on it. And if you want, tell me how much you like it. Now, DebraWolfOnline.com is my website, DebraWolfOnline.com. And some of my radios there, I blog there, I post pictures and fun videos. If you send me outrageous videos of pets, things that are family friendly, but really funny or just 
just amazing, I might post them. And that's how I get all that great stuff. I get great stuff sent to me, and you can see it there. Every week I try and have on, or most weeks, I try and have on an expert guest, and I'm always open to new suggestions. If you've got a topic for me or a guest you want me to have or maybe you just got a pet question, like this lady, her name, Elizabeth, with her golden doodle boy who was traumatized at the, at the groomer, send me your question. I'd love to talk with you. All right, everybody, so we're back at the party. And since Halloween is coming, we should talk about familiars. Is there something to this, the idea of a familiar? You know, the witch with the black hat on her shoulder, and she looks at it, and then it runs off and does what she wanted, comes back in with the key that she needs for the safe, that sort of a thing. And the key is hidden high up in a place only a cat can get to. And (laughs) the evidence of communication is so spooky that in olden times, sometimes women were actually killed for suspicions based on their connection with animals. Well, I would have been in trouble, I think, because when you look at an animal and you're thinking your thought, whatever it is, you're actually telegraphing a message. Now, most of us humans can't pick up this stuff and we're not even conscious of sending this stuff. But I'll give you an easy example. When you think, maybe I'd like to take a walk. You haven't even picked up your shoes yet. You haven't even gone over and got your coat. You haven't even decided if you're going to do it, but you're just thinking about it. Somehow, (laughs) your dog will start to do play bells and get all excited, and you'll hear him sneezing in the other room and running around, sort of twirling underneath your coat and your leash. He heard that. He got that. I can't tell you how, but he did. And the more I train dogs, the more I train cats, the more time I spend with them, the more conscious I am of the messages I'm thinking as I actually speak to them. You know, before I say, Sparky, come, I'm actually thinking something. And as I say it, I'm actually thinking something. And if I can be focused enough to think in pictures, which is not my usual way, I'm a very verbal person. But if I think in pictures and I, th- I actually picture Sparky, the Sparky I'm working with right at that moment, coming toward me, and I picture myself being happy about it and touching him and telling him how good he is, or I picture myself giving him a treat. If I can do a little vignette like that, a little video clip in my head of what I want to have happen, the dog will come quicker and he will learn quicker. And if I can keep that up while I'm training and not say, Sparky, oh, did I remember to get eggs? Did I remember to get butter? I wonder what, oh, darn, I sure wish this dog would come. Why isn't this dog coming? Okay, now I'm actually visualizing what I don't want. I'm telling Sparky, and I'm sending him an image of a dog not coming or eggs at a store. How's that going to help him? Not at all. I have to stay focused. I have to say, Sparky, come and think Sparky, come. And you know what? Sparky's going to come. So, because <laughs> Sparky's already got the message and he knows he's going to get praised when he gets there. Now, you'll see my come technique on the clip on YouTube if you want to check it out. I show you how to train a dog who really doesn't come with a long leash, big long rope. And you practice and you practice and you practice and then you let the rope drop. And then he does it with the rope tied to him still, but trailing on the ground. And then when he's done that well, then you take it off and you put a short leash on him. You do a few more drills that way. And then finally you remove it. Now, by the time you removed it, he's come to you so many times on that park, on that day with those temptations. And each and every time you prove to him how happy you are and loving you are and that the walk wasn't over, that he got to go again. So this is very different from your usual dog drags you to the park, doesn't respect you all the way there, gets faster and faster and faster till he gets to the entrance. You let him go because you can't stand it anymore. Your shoulder's hurting and you're just relieved to be there. He runs off and plays and might even come visit you at the start because he knows it's not time to go. But as soon as he thinks it's time to go, if you call him, 
He looks behind him to see what there is that's better to do. <laughs> what am I going to be missing? And then he pretends he can't hear you. La, 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 as he walks around the park, extending what he thinks is the inevitable call, leash, home. End of fun. So by doing it the other way, you're both proving yourself. And I go through all that on my YouTube clip, and it's free right now. So please hit on it, click on it, send it, send it, send it, send it. I need hits. Okay, and you need this DVD. You need the clips, and it's free right now, and it won't be free forever. So go for it. Send it to everybody you know, please. Okay, so that's the familiar. That's my thing about it. I think if you – people often say that animals give unconditional love. And I think that's completely false, completely false. When I walk into a family, a lot of time, one person only. That is the person who is giving him what he needs. That's the person who exercises him or feeds him or plays with him or does whatever it is the dog wants most. That's that person. The love is conditional. The respect is conditional. It's not unconditional. If you don't walk your dog, if you don't keep him busy and happy and entertained, if you don't feed him and groom him, he's not going to come to you. If every time you call him, you're mad, he's not going to come to you. It's not unconditional. So, so yeah, this, this thing with the familiar is those people were telegraphing their thoughts. They were also communicating and training. Whether you want to call it training or communicating, it depends on your perspective. But teaching a cat that if it comes to where you point, you will reward it. Or teaching a dog that if it follow certain hand signals, you will praise it. And by guiding it with your own hands or a leash to do what you want and praise it over and over and over, you can get dogs to very easily obey things other than words. And the thing about those times, those dangerous times, words weren't a good idea. People were communicating with animals without making it obvious. But they needed the animals. A woman who had no income, who lived in the woods, who's maybe a widow, needed the animals. Absolutely. For protection, for help with food keeping her stores rat-free. I mean, all kinds of uses that animals, she would be the most dependent on animals of anyone in those times. And therefore, the bond would be the best. And so I find it really interesting as we go back in history to think about these things. Because I guess in modern day times, I do have familiars. There's no question about it. When I think to my cat that I want him up behind my head, he jumps up there. And actually... I was just talking to Pet Life Radio about this. We're going to make some e-blogs, and I'm going to show you this cat. So I'm going to try and make sure I could get this and get it posted, show you some things with the cat, show you some things <laughs> with him doing his tricks. He's a pretty amazing cat, and he's a domestic short-haired tabby, a run-of-the-mill cat, just like yours, no more special, was just as homeless as the one you adopted. So I'll show you what he can do. Sometime soon, I might even get it brushed with this fantastic new brush I just found. My favorite new brush. After all these years of brushing dogs, I finally found the brush I love. Amazing. I found it outside of Starbucks. I was introduced to it and I ended up pulling people. Excuse me. May I brush your dog? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> and they're all like, aren't you Deborah Wolf? Aren't you from Camp Good Dog? Yes, I am. Would, I, would you mind if I brush? No, go ahead. <laughs> Brush, 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 brush. I was in my logoed clothes with my logo truck all suited up. And yeah, I got a lot of dogs brushed. And in seconds, it was fantastic. So I'm going to tell you about that next time. But we're quickly running out of time. And Halloween's upon us. I talked about familiars. I want to talk about werewolves. Because I always think about wolves and Halloween. And around here, you hear a lot of coyote yipping. And once in a while, you hear wolves. Wolves have a much larger range. 
So you can have a pack of 25 or 30 animals and they can be in your area, but they're also in the area an hour and a half drive away from you. That's still their range. Coyotes have smaller ranges, so you get more localized packs. But um, yeah, if you hear the wolf song on Halloween or the coyote yip, it's a little creepy, isn't it? Well, there are ghost pets, according to Dusty Rainbolt, an author I've had on this show before, and she has her own show all about that, Paranormal Pets. And she wrote a whole book on this. There's enough to write a book, and then some. There are hotels, museums, places you can go, libraries you can check out where ghosts have been seen, cat ghosts in particular, over and over and over again. So you can go there looking. There's a section at the end of her book, Ghost Cats, which actually details all the places you can drive to in America where you can see ghost cats. Now, I myself had a dream one night where a dog, Rudy, this blind collie that I trained years and years before to come when called so his owners could let him off leash again. After he went blind, they never did. And this dog really missed his off leash freedom. He was a big, goofy, giant collie, a rough collie like Lassie. And, uh, he really, really loved me for giving him his freedom. Really loved me. It was extremely doting of me. And um, I mean, I would trip over him when I walked him off leash in a giant forest because he just wouldn't leave me alone. He was so doting. But this dog came to me. I was sleeping at night and I had this dream and it was so strange because it was just his head. And, but he was talking like in English and he was saying words to me and he was saying, don't go near the bridge. Don't go near the bridge. And okay, I wake up the next morning. I don't think much about it. You know, I, I go down to the bridge because I'm walking dogs and I think, you know, I'll just go check. So I lock the dogs up and I go by myself and my entire bridge is broken. The river has crashed over it. It's broken in the night. All my neighbors heard it crash. The water came over it and the bridge is definitely dangerous. So I call Rudy's owners because I'm a little weirded out. And I say, uh, you know, I haven't talked to you for a while. I just wanted to touch bit. And they're like, oh, did you hear? What? And they said, well, Rudy passed a few days ago. And I was just like, oh, my God, the hair on my arms went out. I was just, oh, this is too much. This is how I told them the story, and they were very surprised. Stuff like that happens when you're really connected with animals. I had another experience with a coyote cross named Muriel, and I'll tell you that about that someday, maybe. And right now, I'm so hoping, I'm so hoping. See, the thing about these ghost experiences is you don't get to choose them. I would love to speak with my dog, Squeak, but no matter how much I try, it seems she's gone from me. But there are ways to be open to it and ways to tune into it. And if you're interested in this topic, you should definitely check out the show I did with Dusty Rainbolt this time last year at Halloween. If you're interested in true blood and werewolves and modern mythology and ancient mythology, then check out the show on this network, Animal Party Pet Life Radio, back in my archives. Check out the one I did last Halloween with Stacey Mantle. So now I've given you three spooky Halloween shows. It's been a spooky animal party. Have a really good, safe Halloween, everybody. Be good to your animals. We'll talk to you next time at Animal Party. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.